0: This
1: is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive 3 until 6 p.m. weekdays on the Sports Hub.
2: I love it. It's brilliant.
3: (laughs) Yes. As the playoffs go on, the Hurricanes, they don't get weaker. They don't get broken down. They just keep getting stronger stronger the storm it just builds and gets bigger they're only eight wins away we're halfway there eight wins away from holding lord stanley rod brindamore justin williams this bunch of jerks They weren't going to be denied. No, they weren't. Oh, so be fearful, Bruins and Blue Jackets. You don't want any of what the Hurricanes are cooking. But until then, let's party. Let's jack it up. Hit me with some PD Pablo.
4: Oh, boy.
3: (laughs) The Tar Heels couldn't do it and the Blue Devils couldn't do it. NC State and Wake Forest couldn't get close. But the Carolina Hurricanes just did. Final four-bound, baby! Woo! (laughs) Islanders coach Barry Trotz looks like I drew a face on my thumb. (laughs) He looks like Humpty Dumpty before being shattered in a four-game sweep. He looks like a Soviet general who forgot what happens when USSR hockey teams face America.
2: <laughs>
3: Barry trots, more like Barry Knots. More like Barry Got Gotts. The Islanders share a building with an underwhelming basketball team that can never get over the hump. The Hurricanes know the feeling. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the Hurricanes have Justin Williams. On Justin Williams' resume, three Stanley Cup rings, the title of Mr. Game 7, he scored a few winning goals in these playoffs, he's also the father of two children, and the New York Islanders! That's right! The Islanders call Williams' daddy! I feel so badly doing this. <laughs> the Islanders, they were classy, Des. Dave Pulaski was so gracious when he was here in the studio. He was wearing Islanders gear. He was being friendly. He said he was happy about the Hurricanes. I mean, who hates the Hurricanes? There isn't real disdain here. But oh well, screw it. Hey, New York. Your fans barely filled that building in Brooklyn. <laughs> Our fans sold-out PNC Arena and were filled with moonshine and whiskey! <laughs> Wake Forest basketball thought your crowds were weak, Brooklyn! <laughs> if your team gets swept, but there's nobody in Brooklyn to care about it, did it really happen?
5: No, no, no. No, no. That's too much.
3: <laughs> you guys called our friend John Forsland a homer! However... That does not matter, because since Friday night, I have not been sober. (laughs) The Islanders, they haven't won anything since the early 80s. The Hurricanes have been to two Stanley Cups in the last 20 years, the Conference Finals four times, and we didn't even know what the bleep hockey was in the early 80s. Long Island Shorts series! My buzz lasted longer than this series! Oh my. The Hurricanes lost a defenseman, a fourth line forward, and a goaltender! The Islanders just lost the bleepin' series! You're
5: a loser. Loser. Loser.
3: I'm not sure if I have the energy... For the strength here to go on, it's a Monday. I've been busy partying all weekend. Dez, I'm struggling here. Oh man, you're on, you've been on a roll here, though, man. You gotta. You gotta I, like, I don't know if I get, can do it. I don't know if I have more energy to summon. The Carolina Hurricanes, baby. You're absolutely right. There's a reason why Jay Z will claim the Nets, but not the Islanders. The Islanders won just as many games in this series as Syracuse has in the ACC tournament in Brooklyn. Oh, wow. ACC footprint, huh? Can't wait to see you in Greensboro, Jimmy B. I don't know what's sadder, getting swept in the second round or the fact that Ann Coulter is your biggest celebrity fan. Oh. Let's move along from that one very quickly. Oh, no. One of your best players is named Cal Clutterbuck. (laughs) I don't have a joke for that, but thought that was worth pointing out. Boom, roasted. But Brock Nelson—he tapped Curtis McElhinney's helmet after scoring a goal in Game Three. We just smacked your ass out of the playoffs. Yes, Eddie. And since the Hurricanes don't have a conference op- uh, conference finals opponent yet, I've got something for you, Don Cherry. He doubled down this weekend, calling the Canes a bunch of jerks again for celebrating wins with the storm surge during the regular season. He decided to deliver this rant, I'm not kidding, about professionalism and decorum while wearing a suit jacket emblazoned with stormtroopers. <laughs> Don, the force is not strong with you. And please, get your Count do Takes. Away from this team. Now it's time for a timely pop culture reference to land the ship. The Hurricanes are going to take their horse down the Old Town Road until they ride, till they can't no mo. We gotta take our horse to the Old Town Road until we ride to the final Fo. four. Final four. Final four.
6: But hey, as they say in hockey, uh, let's do that hockey. Yeah. Uh,
3: hurricanes and score Yeah. So cool. And... John Forslund will be with us in about 30 minutes. 30 minutes, I said? I mean 40 minutes. Ah, I'm discombobulated. I'm, good, I'm, man. Di- I'm disoriented. <laughs> you all right? Your calls are welcome at 336-777-1600. You can tweet the show at Sports Hub Triad. If you missed what Don Cherry had to say this weekend... While I catch my breath, let, let's hear what the Canadian Charles Barkley wearing <laughs> Star Wars suits on had to say about the Carolina Hurricanes. He had an opportunity to embrace this. He had an opportunity to recant, but no, Don Cherry did not do that. I don't understand this.
4: I said this on Canada, and it goes down in there. And you know, it's a funny thing. They know that it's the wrong thing to do, or they do it in the playoffs. No, what you do a guy, you do it in October. You don't see him till March. They know in the playoffs. You should look at that there. That's pretty good. You shouldn't. You know, I don't understand, guys. The only I. Well I'm told the owner said entertain the crowd. And they still drive at thirteen to fourteen thousand people. And these people that are here now, now they're winning. Front running fans as far as I'm concerned. That's what they are. Front running fans as far as I'm concerned.
3: So the Hurricanes then put out a t-shirt that had the bunch of jerks, normal logo on it, then they put above jerks in red scribble, front running jerks. So you can get bunch of front-running jerks shirts now before we completely react to what mr cherry had to say let's actually let him finish
0: Hard not to embrace it, though, isn't it? And the, pigs, I don't Hamilton,
4: the pig don't embrace nothing. I said okay. they look like a bunch of jerks being a fish, a fish in the water, a bowling ball. With this is professional hockey, and no sport in the world does it except them. And I come down from the top, I want you to interfere. I want to entertain the fans. The fans there now—they're seventeen or eighteen thousand. They're front runners. They're there because they win, not because they act like fish. Okay, that's it.
3: They act like fish. What? Bowling
4: balls. What are we talking about here, Don? It sounded like he
6: had like three separate ideas he wanted to say at the same time, and he kept skipping from each of the three, but he never really got any of them out.
3: I mean exactly what I just said a few minutes ago. Don Cherry, he is the Charles Barkley of That's Canada. So good. That is what he is. That's so good. He He's exactly that. He's nothing more than a wrestling character. It's what he is. There's people out there saying, oh, he has to be an ambassador for the sport. Really? Was Charles Barkley much of an ambassador when he's saying all San Antonio fans do or eat churros? (laughs) I don't think so. He's an entertainer. (laughs) Stephen A. Smith, is he an ambassador for sports? I don't know. Stephen A. Smith, he just rolls up on Cowboy fans with a Cowboy hat on and a Drew Brees jersey rolling onto the first take table. They're entertainers. At times, they're wrestling characters. That's what Don Cherry is. So I'm not going to overreact to what he says, but I would love nothing more than him having to fly to North Carolina for games one and two or games three and four of the Stanley Cup final. Mm. Every year, Don Cherry goes to the Stanley Cup finals to do this. And now the stage is set where he can't go back. He can't embrace it now he is the villain. He is NWO. That's what he is, and that's how it's going to be if he shows his face inside PNC Arena.
6: All of this because of the, the uh, what was it called, the storm surge or whatever the they would do after the, the games? That they stopped on their own? All of this is because they of said, that?
3: They said they weren't going to do it in the postseason. And Don Cherry sees that as validation of what he said before, that they knew it was the wrong thing to be doing. There's so many things in sports that we don't do in the postseason that we do in the regular season. There's 82 games. You're not the Atlanta Hawks aren't going to have Tinder night during the postseason. Tinder night? Yeah, they had every year they had a Tinder night. You know, you you do these promotions throughout the year, and it, it brings interest and it's not; it's a non-traditional hockey market, North Carolina. So you do something different. Don Cherry wasn't taking shots, though, at Tampa Bay and Nashville and Washington when they didn't have Alex Saveshkin when they weren't drawing. But mm. he has decided to put Carolina in his crosshairs. Trip Tracy is from Fox Sports Carolina's. The past series was all on SM, but they did pregame and postgame shows. Trip Chasey, the color analyst, alongside John Forslund for many years with Fox Sports Carolinas. He was pretty fired up after the Hurricanes completed the sweep on Friday. Here he was on that aforementioned postgame show, putting up a Hurricanes flag in front of PNC Arena. They've put up eight of these flags and their spots for eight more, which would be the required win total in order to win the Stanley Cup again.
5: The sign is up, Lance. Thrill, Stormy. Yes, sir. How good does it look? It looks like, I'll tell you what, it looks like the Mona Lisa to me. Yeah, back to you
3: guys. (laughs) I don't know anybody who loves life more than Trip Tracy does right now. I was down ice level for the final seven or eight minutes of this game since the Hurricanes were pulling away. After the Hurricanes hit an empty net goal to completely salt it away, they started playing Whitney Houston, girls just want to have fun.
6: Hmm.
3: I looked up towards the press box, and in the radio booth, Tracy, when he's not doing TV, helps out with the radio broadcast in Raleigh locally, I saw a man who was dancing to Whitney Houston, pointing to people in the stands. Then, as you heard in this clip here, just yelling on television. He's loving life more than anybody else, and I appreciate that.
6: Quick disclaimer: uh, Cindy Lauper sings that song, not Whitney Houston. I was gonna let it go, but then you said it twice, so I gotta make sure you're you don't get a bunch of angry people on Twitter.
3: No, that's fair. <laughs> They're maybe, probably maybe coming it, right now. <laughs> girls want to have fun.
6: Was it girls just want to have fun? Yeah. Yeah, that's Cindy Lauper. Well, shoot. <laughs> uh, here's my here's my confusion because I've been hearing this all weekend, especially with uh, this Don Cherry character.
3: I was it's, asking people around me, who sings this song? They, told they you said Whitney Houston. We, he used it. Oh, man. I took their word for it, and it bit <laughs> me. Never, my voice is shot right now.
6: <laughs> I know. I can hear it. But here's my thing with Don Cherry, though, because I was hearing some of this earlier, too. It's almost like he's coming down on Carolina fans for packing PNC because they have a winner and a hot team going forward. They, they were like one of the last teams to make the playoffs, right? Now they're like the first team into the He Final didn't four? attack
3: Tampa, didn't attack Washington, didn't attack Nashville when they started to get good. But since the Hurricanes did something that he didn't like, these celebrations, because he's an old curmudgeon, curmudgeon, then now the Hurricanes are public enemy number one. It's a good thing, though, because it does create a level of intrigue if the Hurricanes can advance. Not every team remaining can say that. Boston is an original six team. They're going to have their own interests following them. But aside from that, you're going to have – I don't think many people have something to connect to the Dallas Stars or the St. Louis Blues with. What do you got on your phone that you're snickering about?
6: Literally, in the past, like, 20 seconds, I've had my wife and Coach Todd Willard from East Forsyth message me to tell me that you messed up the person that sang that up. Yeah, well, there you go.
3: (laughs) I'm sorry. I, I was just yelling I incoherently for seven and a half minutes. I don't know what I'm saying when right you, now. When you did it the first time, I
6: cringed. I was like, well, maybe he won't say it again. And then you did, did it again. So I, I expected like, you to correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> if it's the first one, I just let it slide and hope no one really caught it. But then you double down on it like, a, like you're
3: Don Cherry, and <laughs> the try it hurt it. <laughs> a new episode of LeBron's HBO show dropped this weekend. Here, LeBron's thoughts on Zion Williamson and his diss of Magic Johnson, next on The Drive.
1: Come on! Let's go! You're on The Drive with Josh Graham, The Sports Sports Hub, at AM 600, AM 920.
3: Okay, I feel the need to defend myself. In the last segment, I said, Carolina girls... Oh, wait, no. What song did I say? Sydney Lopper, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Right. I said that song was by Whitney Houston because I didn't recognize the song I was hearing as Tri- Tracy was dancing around celebrating a hurricane's sweep of the islanders. I didn't know the song I was hearing. I asked somebody next to me who sings the song. They said Whitney Houston. And I just remembered it was not, in fact, Girls just want to have fun. Instead, it it was, I want to dance with somebody, which is by Whitney Houston. But that hasn't stopped you from (laughs) pouring in with the criticism and the hate. Mike writes in, did the Hurricanes also play Beat It by Prince too? (laughs) That's excellent. (laughs) I don't think they
6: did. Let your haters be your motivators, Josh.
3: I'll, I'll try and let that be the case. We learned that one of the haters of Magic Johnson was LeBron James over the weekend. He dropped another one of his HBO shows. It's called The Shop. And it really is an interesting show when you have Don Cheadle and DeAndre Hopkins, Seth Rogen, among others, sitting around. Jimmy Iovine sitting there. sitting there in a chair. And just talking about whatever comes to mind. The topic of the Lakers had to come up at some point. Lonzo Ball was there as well. And LeBron James told us how he learned about Magic Johnson stepping away. Remember, Magic Johnson did not tell Jeannie Buss that he was going to step down as president of the Lakers. It was right before their final regular season game at Staples Center that Magic Johnson met with reporters and broke the news to all of us. That's how everyone first learned the news. LeBron was in the locker room, and he went further into how he learned the news of Magic stepping down, and he gave us a little bit of a peek of how he felt about it, too.
2: Between my (laughs) stretching session, my right hand comes to me and say, Magic just stepped down. And I'm like, man, get the (laughs) out of my face, you (laughs) I go check my phone, I look at it, it, Personally for me, I came here to be a part of the Lakers organization, having a conversation with Magic. So it was just weird for him to just be like, I'm out of here. And not even have no like, hey, Bron, kiss my ass, I'm gone. It, it, It wasn't even that.
3: Kiss my ass, LeBron. Whoa. I think this confirms what I kind of sensed when the news first Came down that there was some disconnect between LeBron James and Magic Johnson. That Magic Johnson probably wasn't working as hard as LeBron generally does because Magic loves being Magic. And he admitted it during his comments saying, Hey, I want to go back to tweeting again. Do me a favor, Des. Dig up some of the gems that Magic Johnson sit out the last three days. Find me some of the very insightful stuff that Magic Johnson stepped down as president of the Lakers so he can send out to the public and make all public consumption there. I sense that LeBron was on a different page than Magic was. Kiss my ass. I, I don't think that's an expression you say in love. I don't think that's an expression you say if you're respecting somebody, especially if they don't have the opportunity to defend themselves, I don't think Magic and LeBron were cut from the same cloth. Magic Johnson, when he was this do-it-all player, it was the Showtime Lakers, and he enjoyed every bit of Showtime. The stories of Magic Johnson with women, the stories of Magic Johnson out till 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, Magic enjoyed being Magic. Now, think about that for a second and juxtapose that with LeBron – You don't hear as many of those stories with LeBron, who was in South Beach for four years, who was in the spotlight even longer than Magic Johnson was. You don't hear too many partying stories with LeBron James. He's business first. This is the guy who cares about his image almost more than anything. Builds schools. He's thinking like an executive. Magic Johnson. He was the face of the franchise. He's a star. He's Showtime. He likes the party. He wants to be the talk show host. LeBron James wants to own the television network. That's the difference between the two. So it doesn't surprise me that the two grew apart and got to a point where LeBron would say that on his own television show weeks after Magic Johnson stepped away. Let's hear some of the insightful stuff from Magic Johnson on his Twitter account.
6: You know, honestly, there's not a lot of uh, eye-raising stuff lately. That's least. the it's point! Li- it's mainly just him uh, complimenting current NBA players and what they're doing. Jokic uh two triple-doubles in the series against Portland. Jamal Murray gave him some love. There's a picture of Jeannie Buss with him eating dinner. It's mainly like him sending congratulations out to different people or uh, sending well
3: wishes to people who have recently suffered heart attacks. This is what Magic Johnson stepped away from the Los Angeles Lakers to be able to send out. He said he wanted to be on Twitter again, and he wanted to send out tweets such as this one. This is from a week ago. The Sixers, even the series with the Raptors, led by Jimmy Butler with 30 points. Their defense was outstanding, and the Sixers bench outplayed the Raptors bench.
6: Wow. Well, he's never really been a... Thanks, Magic. Controversial on Twitter, though, right?
3: Or interesting. Yeah. I don't know who will win the series with Toronto's victory over Philadelphia to even it up. But I do know Kawhi Leonard has been dominating. Is Jamal it? Murray scored six straight free throws. Is, is he doing play by play? What's sort he doing of, yeah, here? Yeah,
6: that's actually kind it's like almost like in the head of Magic Johnson, like when he's watching the game. I
3: LeBron guess. James doesn't say boring things on social media. Again, two totally different people. Often compared as players because of how big magic was and how he could handle the basketball and distribute it. But personality wise, there was bound to be a clash there. I hope things work out in LA because the sports more interesting when LeBron's competitive and when the Lakers are competitive, I have no issue with Ty Lu being hired. You got to tailor to your stars and LeBron responds well to him. That's been proven in Cleveland and They just need a star to be added to the mix. I don't think under any circumstances, New Orleans is going to trade Anthony Davis to the Lakers at this point with what's happening with Brandon Ingram and how assets have depreciated. I don't think the Lakers have even one of the top two packages to offer the New Orleans Pelicans. I don't think they're going to get Kawhi. I don't think they're going to get Kevin Durant. Maybe Kyrie Irving. If not Kyrie, then who? Who out of this mix is going to go to L.A. this summer? There's if you're a Laker fan. What do you got?
6: I mean, I don't. It's like they refuse to to fire Rob Polinka, which feels like it would solve all their issues because it feels like all the other teams hate Rob Polinka. So it's kind of hard to make trades and deals and acquisitions when the one guy that's kind of running the nut house no one likes. Apparently, from I don't him think dealing it's just Palenka,
3: though. I think it's also LeBron. I don't think the I think there's many teams that have the belief that LeBron. Is meddling here, uh, and they don't like it.
6: I mean, there's also many teams that would take LeBron on their roster in a second, so I think that kind of probably evens out.
3: Oh, I get it, but I'm talking about the Pelicans here.
6: What about getting AD? Sending AD to Los Angeles. Well, I mean, it's, it's not, not like- just
3: Pelinka; it's also LeBron. Yeah, well, Davis hasn't been made quiet obvious about it. That they did not like what LeBron said publicly about. Anthony Davis trying to get him on the roster
6: you know what bothers me about that though they haven't said anything about what Anthony Davis said about wanting to go to the Lakers to play with LeBron it's the same thing and that's their player it's
3: not different though if if your own player is saying it that's not a tampering violation
6: no but LeBron's not an executive it shouldn't be tampering for him either you know, not an I, know I know people, I know air, air, quotes. air quotes, people think that he's running the whole show, but well, this he is a did clear that in indication he's not. <laughs> we
3: know that he did that in Cleveland. So he throws we, in,
6: I guess he, well, we even that know they say he doesn't he really do. He
3: orchestrated the deal for Andrew Wiggins to be sent to Minnesota in exchange for Kevin Love. Right. Well, we he, know that. Yeah. We, that's
6: we, know he like playing, we know he doesn't like playing with rookies. We know that. And I, I wouldn't either. A 35 year old, he's in change mode. That's where now. the
3: executive stuff comes from. So it's not either. Completely fiction. It's not likely completely 100%. Somewhere true. in the middle.
6: I could buy that. Right. Yeah. So yeah.
3: I don't fault New Orleans for thinking that way. LeBron also on the HBO show. He sees the future in Zion Williamson. Listen to the way Zion talks about, or excuse me, LeBron talks about Zion. Remember, he went to go see, them, see him play when Duke faced Virginia the second time in Charlottesville this regular season.
2: I've, wa- I've watched him a lot over the last year. Obviously, I was with everybody, you know, him coming out of high school. I was like, okay, all this competition that he's playing against, these little short-ass white kids, he's dunking, dunking over every single time. Can he play? Can he play, like, Can he play ball? And, you know, the one thing that I noticed just with his one year at Duke, that his energy was infectious, man. Like, every possession it seemed like he could make a difference on the outcome of the game. Should he come out? Absolutely. He is the most talked about guy in a long time.
3: That was LeBron on Friday night's HBO The Shop. The Drive is brought to you in part by our friends at Twin Peaks Restaurant, the ultimate sports lodge you've been searching for. It's your local source for sports on wall-to-wall TVs and the most scenic views in the market. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, scenic views. Just glowing praise from LeBron. And that's a very cool thing. I love the show construct. It, it always seems like there's just the one white guy who's there to kind of be like, whoa, did we just say this? Hey, whoa, what are we doing here? I think eh, I think John, I- John Stewart. Hey, <laughs> eh, yeah, well, you know, here's what I think about this. Or here's, ah, eh, well, there's Seth Rogen.
6: And Jimmy Iovine. He was in there. Although, can you call Jimmy Iovine white anymore? I don't know. <laughs> there's a certain point when you get past a certain income level where it's like color doesn't even matter. And you're just. Jimmy Ivey. I don't
3: even know if it's income level. It's who who he's associated uh, associated with over the years. It's it's hard to say. Oh, that's a white guy. And plus, I mean, he also has these Italian roots and it might just be really super tan. I don't know. That's if Jimmy Ivey a white guy. Yeah, what hmm. What is Jimmy Ivey? What is Jimmy Ivey? <laughs> I won't say who is Jimmy Ivey because the same people will come after me on social media who came after me what? because I accidentally <laughs> Referred to the wrong song by Whitney Houston, saying that it was a song that was in fact performed and written by Sidney Lopper. <laughs> Big Sidney Lopper fans in our audience. The Panthers. They announced their Hall of Honor class, their new Hall of Honor class earlier today. But who will be in next? That's next on the drive.
1: Hey. This is The Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham.
3: We've got two game sixes in the NHL later on tonight. The late game at San Jose and Colorado. And the game that precedes that, Boston and Columbus... If Boston wins on the road tonight, that means it will be the Hurricanes and the Bruins in the Eastern Conference Finals, likely to start later in the week. If Boston wins, that means the Hurricanes will play games one and two on the road. If Columbus wins tonight and wins game seven in Boston, the Hurricanes will have home ice advantage for the Eastern Conference Finals. So that's how it lays out. If the Hurricanes somehow find themselves in the Stanley Cup Finals, the only team out west that would have home ice against Carolina, the San Jose Sharks, who again are facing Colorado tonight with the chance to clinch on the road. John Forslund now with us from the NBC Sports Network and also the voice of the Hurricanes on television for Fox Sports Carolinas. Johnny, w- would it be foolish for me to suggest? that the Bruins are a better matchup for Carolina than the Blue Jackets are or, vars- or vice versa there?
5: Uh, you know what? It, it's a hard road to go down, Josh, when a uh, team reaches the, the third round because I think when you get to the third round, it's you, you can't really be selective. You just have to take it on and understand you know, where you're at as a team, and I think the Canes will. You can look at it and try to come up with the right opponent, but it's pretty close. And if you look at the first round, I mean, a lot of people said, well, gee, you got to somehow avoid that last wild card spot because that last wild card spot is going to draw Tampa. Well, Columbus did and then made short-order work of them in a four-game sweep. The Hurricanes then drew the Washington Capitals. Well, that's not good. They're defending Stanley Cup champions with all of their star power. And then they were able to get through that. And so I don't know. I think when you get to the Stanley Cup playoffs and you go deep, You just don't worry about what might look right or what might be the right matchup. Every matchup is the right matchup. They have to embrace it that way. They'll utilize the time off they have now to get re-energized and take on whoever it is come the weekend.
3: It's incredible, really, when you look at the history of the Hurricanes franchise, that somehow a franchise that's only 22 years old, if you just look at the Carolina years, already has lineage with the coach of Rod Brindamore's caliber as uh, as a great player in franchise history. And when you look at the fact that in the last 20 years, the Hurricanes have been to the playoffs five times, and the last four times have advanced at least to the Eastern Conference Finals. What, what do you make of the Hurricanes maximizing their opportunities when they make it to the postseason?
5: Well, it is the definition of maximizing your opportunity. And I think the only problem that may creep into this is the fact that it's been 10 years since the last visit. And because of that, there's been attrition on the fan base and a, and a, and a tough goal of it from a business standpoint. But now that this has happened, my only hope is that not only has it been revived, but that it will flourish now moving forward, because I think the hurricanes are built now with it, with a young team to be in the mix for the next few seasons annually. And, you know, be a team that's counted on to be in the playoffs with that being said, you would hope that a lot of these fans now who have been reborn or catching on for the first time will be there through thick and thin because you, you, you need support. And, and unlike other markets, it's a great point that you bring up. I mean, I, I think maybe the fans here have been spoiled a little bit. I know it's been a long break between 09 and now, but every time they do get in, it's pretty special. And there are markets like Vancouver, Buffalo, St. Louis, who've never, been close to it a couple of times for st louis in the late 60s the advent of the 6 to 12 team expansion buffalo's been to the final a couple of times that's it vancouver a couple of times that's it we're talking 40 plus years history so when you get deep and there actually has been a stanley cup awarded in raleigh that's pretty spectacular and i hope that people don't take it for granted
3: are there any parallels you can draw between this team and the 2006 champs in terms of the makeup? Just, the,
5: um, just the chemistry that they have. And I've been saying it for a while now. And, and I said it uh, probably January on various interviews and, and would continue to say it. I would say, you know, the one read I get in the group is this. They're very tight. And they have as big, a great an off-ice chemistry as the 0 team had. And I would always you know, put a qualifier on it and say, but I'm not suggesting they're going to win the Stanley Cup. I'm just telling you that they have great chemistry and they play hard for each other and they respect the heck out of their coach. Then as they hit the playoffs before the first round, I would say the same thing with the caveat. You know, I'm not suggesting they're going to be able to get through Washington, but well, now they've gone through Washington. Now they've gone through the Islanders and now they're getting to this point. Anything's possible. But they are a very tight-knit group, and I've never seen anything like that since the 06 championship team.
3: John Forsland with us here from NBC Sports Network and also the uh, Fox Sports Carolina's the TV play-by-play voice of the Carolina Hurricanes. In, in the locker room, Justin Williams told us that we've believed all year long, and Rod Brindamore said that in response to a question of when he knew that the team believed. He said game one, game one against the New York Islanders of all teams, when they lost in overtime and everybody believed that, ah, this is just the same old Canes, he he saw it there that this team had potential and what you were just referencing, their relationship and their close-knit, how close-knit they are and the chemistry they have is the makeup of teams that make it far in the postseason. When did you know on the outside, though, that this team could be special?
5: Well, you know, I knew one thing and it was the very first day of training camp that they were going to work exceptionally hard. And I remember watching the the first, you know, workouts, the two separate groups that they used. They named their teams for training camp grit and grind. And a lot of people shrug their shoulders and a lot of cynical people, which I probably put myself in the same vein, and why not after all these years? Really, you're gonna go to grit and grind to identify your two teams when the hurricanes have been not in the playoff mix and over the past few seasons you could say a pretty soft team, like not a physical team, not a team that was going to grind their way through much of anything, maybe outskill, outquick, um, you know, outcoach. I mean, that always seemed to be the direction in the previous few seasons, but not that. But after the first day, and I saw Brenda Moore lay down the law in terms of how hard he wanted a team to work before they got to anything from an X's and O's perspective, I was a believer and I remember sitting there and almost getting giddy with it. And some of the uh, other people in the media, what are you, what are you getting so excited about? I said, I can't believe the amount of skating they're doing for the first day. And so I was sold right away. And I've never, you've never had to sell me on Rod Brindamore for for anything because I I know him and I know what he's all about, and I I knew he could do the job. I wasn't sure the team would be good enough. I knew they'd be close, but I wasn't sure that they'd get in. And I absolutely wasn't sure they'd go this far. But then once you saw them come together, they made a couple of changes. The trade for Nino Niederreiter was big in January. They started to get and grow with more confidence. That's when I kind of felt, well, they might be onto something. And then when it went on for three to four months, you know, before the playoffs, you had to think, you know, if they could play this well this long, uh, Carolina in the East, St. Louis in the West, it's got to continue in the playoffs. It, it, It has to. It can't just be a a mistake or just a, a couple of weeks of great hockey. You could probably say that about Columbus when they when they hit the playoffs because they really came together in the last 10 games just to get in. But this, the Hurricanes had so far to come back from. They were so far long gone at the Christmas holidays that they had to be validated for all of their work, and, and so far they have been.
3: While you're painting the picture of how hard the Hurricanes were skating early on in training camp, I couldn't help – the picture that kept resonating in my mind was Kurt Russell playing Herb Brooks in, in Miracle, sure. telling them again and again. Is, is it that far off from what Rod Brindamore was asking from his team early on?
5: No, you can you can go to a lot of the stuff that the Hurricanes have on social media and on their website and see some of the post-game um, addresses he's had with his team right after the game, and you can get that feel, what you just depicted, but you can also recognize that he has said a couple of things to his team, two words after every game, and that was thank you. And the one thing about Rod is he is relatable, is self-effacing. He's, for a guy at his caliber, type of athlete he was, world-class athlete, I think should be in the Hall of Fame, and obviously the most significant guy to ever play for this team. You know, And I've always said that. And now the most significant individual to be around the team based on what he's doing now, because he's basically helping save, maybe save the franchise. But he has always been able to be respectful of everybody. And that respect he's shown his players, I think they're throwing right back at him twofold because many coaches will go in and say, way to go guys. I told you this is how we needed to play and you did good on you. See you tomorrow. That's fine. Many coaches operate that way this guy would come in and thank them first and then get to what they did. And I think that registered with all these players, especially young players who kind of need to hear that every once in a while. Instead of getting beaten over the head time and time again with strategies and poor checking systems, neutral zone systems, defensive zone coverage, special teams and all these things that go into coaching a hockey team. Sometimes it just pays to say, thank you. Thanks for your efforts. Let's continue to work hard. And it's been pretty simple. That's what they've been able to do.
3: John Forsland with us here, painting pictures for us. So we'll return in kind with something I saw down the stretch of game four on Friday night. Your broadcast partner during the regular season is Trip Tracy. And I love Trip. And he has so much energy when he broadcasts games that he's passionate about the Canes. When the Hurricane scored an empty net goal, I was ice level and I looked up towards the broadcast booth and they started playing a Whitney Houston song in the arena, and I saw Trip Tracy dancing and pointing to people in the stands. Then after the game, I got a chance to see the video of him on the post-game television show on Fox Sports Carolinas, and, well, you can listen to yourself what, what, how excited Trip Tracy was. The sign is up, wins! Thrill, Stormy! Yes, sir! How oh, good does it look?
5: It looks like, I'll tell you what, it looks like the Mona Lisa to me. Yeah, back to you guys.
3: <laughs> well, what's it like working with Tripp? Give me a sense for the passion there.
5: Well, uh, you know what? He's just embodying how we all feel. And, I, I you know, it's, it's that cathartic. Like, it, there's been so much misery here over the last decade. And what we do, you know, people always come up to me and say, you must be having a lot of fun this year. And it is true we are. But I would argue and say I have fun every year. I have fun at what I do because in our role, we're given a team. And we have to tell the story of that team, games 1 through 82, and have to make the playoffs into the playoffs and so on. And you you can't just have fun or enjoy that when they're good. And we've had plenty of practice of doing teams who have struggled and had challenges and never got there too young or not good enough in certain areas or coaching changes or whatever, you still have to tell the story. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't pain us to go through something like that, just like the fan. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, that's basically where we're at. We're at that, we're at that point now, both of us, where, you know, you, you get emotional and, and you want to you feel the excitement. You want to enjoy the ride. You want to make sure that that passion gets transmitted to the fan base. So they get re-energized and understand that, you know, this is wonderful. And whenever it ends, it will end. If it ends with a cup, God bless them all. If it ends in this round, well, it was a one heck of a season. But moving forward, you know, it, it's going to have to have that same type of energy around it because it's, it's special to have a sports franchise in your area. And I understand, you know, you got to win and all of that. But still, you have to enjoy the fact that you have it and that you can sustain it and the Canes have been really uh, falling off the map here in terms of relevance over the last few seasons. This playoff run is kind of reestablishing what we've all known is that this is a fabulous place for hockey. Unfortunately, it's just been too many years with too many high prices for too many fans to accept, and, and they've just stayed away. And now they're all starting to come back again. you got to hang on to them now, and that's why that energy is important.
3: John, do you know where you're going to be for the Eastern Conference Finals?
5: Uh, Not yet. Uh, You know, I think uh, I'm pretty sure the way it's going to play out is that Doc Emmerich will call the Eastern final. And I'm pretty sure, although there have been some people suggesting it might change, but I think Kenny Albert is contracted to, you know, do the West, or at least that's the way they're going to see it. So the good news is, and I'm hoping that this is really the way it works out, because with the Canes going this deep, it'd be nice to get involved in the conference finals for NBC but it would kill me to be out West and have the team be playing here. So if it's, uh, the Lord's plan that it works out this way and that that's how they do it again this year. And I'm, I'm finished. Then I'll be doing the radio and I'll be doing our games on radio with trip and we'll get the team back together and we'll do the conference final and, and God willing, we'll do the Stanley cup final because that would be a dream come true. Cause I can't wait to get back in there and get, you know, a chance to call these plays and, uh, be part of their history into the next round and maybe beyond and get to the next level. So that's the plan right now. Um, unless something changes, that's what I expect. I expect to be behind the microphone for the Hurricanes on the Kane Radio Network, game one, Eastern Conference Finals.
3: Johnny, you're the best. Catch up on some Red Sox baseball this week, and we'll we'll chat sometime soon.
5: Okay, Josh, thank you. We'll be talking soon, I'm sure.
3: Yes, you got it. That's John Forslund. On Twitter, at John Forslund from the NBC Sports Network and Fox Sports Carolinas, you are listening to WSJS Winston-Salem, WCOG Greensboro, WPCM Burlington, and
1: WMFR High Point. Oh, look who's back. This is The Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham.
3: Fielding Let's Get Crazy phone calls at 336 777 1600. Before we get to that, a reminder that the drive is brought to you by our friends at Pie Guys Pizza and More. Grab yourself a slice of the delicious Graham Slam pizza, Texas pizza sauce, chicken and bacon on top of that, and you can only find it at Pie Guys Pizza and More in Clemens. Located in the Kinnaman Village Commons, right off of Lewisville Clements Road. Online at pieguys.com. Support the people that support us and let us know what you think at pieguys, pizza, and more. Another thing here I asked Rod Brindamore a question. The end of it in my delivery sounded a little sexual. I got a lot of feedback. It's funny. They, they televised those press conferences, they put it on radio. So as soon as I asked it, my phone is exploding with people saying, are you in Raleigh for this? And I didn't identify myself. I didn't do the thing. Josh Graham, Sports Hub Triad, before asking. But Ryan writes in here that my voice asking the question sounds exactly like Russell Wilson laying in bed with Sierra saying this.
2: Hey, Seattle.
3: Does it, though? Let's play this side by side. Give me... The end of my question to Rod Brindamore. What, what does that represent to you? And Russell Wilson post-coital with Sierra. Uh, a allegedly. Seattle. I, I stepped over that one more time.
2: A Seattle.
3: I, I can hear it a little bit.
6: I mean, clearly Russell was laying down. You know, when he was talking, you can kind of hear it. In A hey, Seattle. I mean, it's A Seattle.
3: After watching the Hurricanes beat the Islanders, I needed a cigarette. <laughs>
6: Whereas you, you're kind of
3: like what? What does that represent to you? <laughs> you sound like you're Solty. like in a like a
6: like a romance like movie or something. Like I was you're, like you're asking like like a, like a, a, a damsel in distress like like what's it gonna take? Or have something. you
3: seen Rod <laughs> Brindamore without his shirt? I, I have not. <laughs> That's worth the Google. This is what you would. What What does that represent to you? Ooh. Man, oh man! I was exposed. You're, true, uh,
6: you're the true uh, Josh Casanova voice. That's what that's it. Speaking of it a things that voice. are red
3: hot and sultry, let's get crazy. <laughs> crazy! 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 Crazy!
2: crazy.
3: <laughs> All right, you know the deal by now. Red Hot Takes, we deliver them once a week, suspending journalistic integrity and responsibility and uh, welcoming your calls in doing so as well. And let's actually start with the phones. We don't do this often, we start with the phones, but in the business of fairness, we're going to start with Wayne in Greensboro. Wayne, you're on the Sports Hub. Wayne, let's get crazy. Hi, Josh. I think I owe you an apology. I called in a couple of weeks ago and assured you that
6: you were the top candidate for the new play-by-play guy for the Charlotte Hornets.
3: I thought I had a good... Yeah, John Fokey, he's a lot better at calling basketball than I am, so I'm not too mad about it. What do you got today?
2: Well, uh, I know I called this guy
0: back to get some, some reason behind this, and apparently they did a background
6: check and found 111 instances where you use the phrase,
5: Nick Batum sucks. So they cross you
3: off the list. <laughs> Bad contracts. <laughs> Too many times I've said that. <laughs> Got anything else, Wayne? No, I say it this time. All right, thank All right. you. <laughs> Wayne
6: with the mic drop. He might have been mistaken for me. I I'm played. not sure
3: if that's a let's get crazy <laughs> take. But he's apologizing for a let's get crazy take. Here's the thing you don't have to apologize for a let's get crazy take. You just kind of throw it against the wall. Remember when I said last week that the Rockets were going to win four in a row Uh-oh. against Golden State? Well, that didn't exactly happen. So thank you for the call, Wayne. I'm not the voice of the Hornets, but you know what? Doing just fine here. 3367771600 Before we get back to the phones, I've got a red hot take and I'm going to deliver it. Lay it on me. The Canes are going to advance to the Stanley Cup finals and Hamilton the Pig is going to appear on Jimmy Fallon to promote the games on NBC. Wow. Hamilton the Pig, biggest star on the Hurricanes. That's The Hurricanes have no stars. The biggest star is the damn pig. Every time he's on the scoreboard, people lose their minds, and then they have the decibel count exceeding 100 because Hamilton the pig. That's I, uh, what you got. I'm going
6: to the NBA real quick. Uh, of course, the, seri- the, the, the the big series is Warriors versus Rockets. I've been on this. Uh, I hate the Houston Rockets and James Harden and his style of play for about two years now. But today, the Warriors' reign of terror will officially end. They are going to lose to the Houston Rockets in seven games, who will then turn around and lose to Portland in the Western Conference Finals wow. in six. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's a new day in the NBA. You really think Portland's gonna beat Denver? I think they are. Man. Joke. Jok- How do you say his last name? Jokic? Jokic? Great start. It's Jokic. Jokic. Dude, he played 65 minutes the other night. And uh Yeah, but he I doesn't play five. at a quick
3: pace. <laughs> he he just jogs
6: <laughs> the entire game. He never runs. It feels like seeing a, a jar of mayonnaise play basketball for six minutes. Next time minutes. <laughs> you
3: watch Denver, and again, you're not staying up to 10:30 to watch these games. They do have ratings. The games on TNT, these late night games on ESPN as well. But I'm not convinced anybody's watching the Rockets face the Warriors or uh, the, the Blazers. I don't think anybody's watching that series. Did I say the Rockets, too? The Nuggets play the Blazers.
6: I did, by accident, watch the fourth overtime Friday night. I happened to be up I was up celebrating.
3: Still. <laughs> I was celebrating the Hurricanes winning game four. I was out with Brant Wilkerson New. We looked at our watch, said, oh, my God, it's 1 in the morning. <laughs> What's and the then we saw that this game is close. <laughs> all right, let's just stick around for the game. And then it's one fifteen, and it's one twenty, yep. And then, all right, well, we'll watch overtime. And then it's 130, 135. I will watch the second overtime. Yeah. 140, 145. Alright, triple overtime. We're here for this. I think we've already gotten this far in. <laughs> we were out till 2 15 in the morning watching the the the, the four overtime game. Blazers and Nuggets. Just ridiculous that we're up that
6: way. NBA action, baby. It's fantastic.
3: Yeah, if you say so. <laughs> Let's go to Matt and Greensboro. Matt in Greensboro, let's get crazy. What's up, guys? Um, on the NBA, I'm going the other way. No
5: surprise. The Warriors will win the title this year, but the crazy part is Steph Curry will never win another championship. Kevin Durant will.
3: Whoa. Hey, Who's he going to win hey, it hey, for, hey, though, hey, Matt? Finish yeah. it. You have us on the edge of our seat. Yeah. Who's Katie going to win another title with?
5: The Clippers.
3: Oh, no.
5: <laughs> no, no, no. No, no.
6: No. That's a hot take, though. What are you doing, guys? Uh, I don't want to
4: give it to you. You're
5: this The hotness of the take. <laughs>
6: ah! there's, there's hot takes, and then there's just like insanity, right? <laughs> I mean,
3: the that is the best situation on the board. If you're Kawhi? Kevin Durant going to the Clippers, even without Kawhi. The Clippers are better than what the Knicks have right now. The Clippers are better than what the Nets have right now. The Clippers are better than what the Lakers have right now. And do you have Doc Rivers as the coach. Yeah. Richest guy in the league is the owner. Lou Williams coming off the
6: bench, a good, young, fun team? Did we just talk ourselves into Kevin Durant going to the Clippers? <laughs> it's the best
3: option on the board. Wow. There's no question. That
1: is be that so a much hot much a, day? I do we'll
3: Just it's, deliver. It's, it's, I, I mean, know. hey, that's a hot... An impromptu. Let's get crazy. Uh, I've got something for people who spend time on Sundays and enjoy brunches. <laughs> Bloody Marys are trash. <laughs> I agree. Mimosas, the best brunch beverage I will not hear differently. It's orange juice with champagne. I was going to say it. That's all
6: it is, right? Orange juice with champagne. What is a Bloody Mary? What's in that? Orange juice
3: <laughs> with champagne. I don't care what's in a Bloody Mary. It's, it's not, disgusting. That makes me... It's ugh. gross. Ugh. Bloody Marys are the worst.
6: Mimosas.
3: Don't even at me at Sports Hub Triad. Usually I encourage you to tweet. Don't at me. Bloody Marys are trash. Mimosas, that's where it's at.
6: I uh, I have an interesting hot take here. Okay. Last week on Let's Get Crazy, Dez said that...
3: Why are you referring to yourself a third person? I don't know.
6: It, it felt good. That It had to do with LeBron James, that uh, the Lakers were going to trade him. I'm going to flip that a little bit. LeBron is going to ask for a trade before July 1st so that he can dictate where he finishes his career. Because after watching the shop the other night, now I'm like, okay, LeBron was blindsided more than I thought, and... He's not going to stick around for something he didn't sign up for, so he's out of here. Are you, wait, wait, are you repurposing the same take you had a week ago? Kind of, for the clever ones out that's there. That's so little bit. I just lazy. Twi- Instead of the Lakers doing it, it's going to be LeBron doing I know,
3: it. but that's so lazy for you to get another it, air horn for that. It, it was a hot take a week ago. Now it's repurposed. It's not the same take, though. It's like Daddy's Home 2. <laughs> that's not the We same need take. Daddy's Home 2. What are we doing here? I have a backup one. I, I don't know if I want the backup if that is the is the lead candidate. Nah,
6: I, I got a back one. I'm pretty pretty confident with it. Want it?
3: Just give it to me. <laughs>
4: <laughs> give
3: me what I want.
6: The XFL will fail after one season.
3: That's what? Wait, wait, wait. What? That's what? The AAF just did that. That's not a hot take to say that they're going to do the same thing that just happened. They didn't have any money. But, I mean, that's not the same thing.
6: The XFL I mean, has $100 million in WWE money to to just basically fart away, and they will. It's not going to work. I learned from the AAF. Nobody likes spring football. You're saying. No one. You're no one saying. likes
3: it. As a hot take that the same thing's gonna happen that we just saw. Yeah, because everyone's like, "Oh, what he's saying is a hot take." The Warriors are gonna win another championship.
6: No, I wouldn't go that far.
3: But now, all I've heard is that is a
6: hot take though. All I hear is the XFL is gonna work. He learned his lesson from the last time. Victor Where are Manns you hearing are this from? The social media stratosphere. Most people are saying it's going to fail. Really, I haven't really seen anybody say that. They're, that's because they, we they just saw it. it, and they just signed this deal. I mean,
3: it looks like it's going to work. It's not. It's not going to work. That's not a hot take, but yet you have jurisdiction on your own takes, whether or not they're hot or not, <laughs> because you have the sounds at your at your uh, disposal. That, that's true. <laughs> I'll close us out on top. Yeah, give us a hot one then. Oh, you better come hot. Better. Swingers is Vince Vaughn's best movie. What? It's better than Wedding Crashers. It's better than Rudy. Rudy follow-up hot take. Not that great. Rudy's not a good movie. Wow. Really? I wrote against Rudy at the end. Wow, really?
6: Here you're gonna you're gonna go there. Here, that's, that's right. You're gonna die on. Here. I'm gonna do if that. Rudy's not a
3: Rudy? Not a good movie. Swingers, Vince Vaughn's best movie. I put out on a Twitter poll yesterday while I was watching Swingers again. Heather Graham, most noteworthy movie she's in. What do you think of first? Most people said Austin Powers. Right behind that was Hangover movies. Yeah. but And also Boogie Nights right there in the running too. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, with the roller skates and such. But she was awesome in Swingers at the very end. So, I I love Swingers. I think it's Vince Vaughn's better movie than (laughs) Wedding Crashers. Better than Old School? Well, I think Wedding Crashers is better than Old School. No, swingers. Swingers yeah, better than old I school. I just said
6: oh, so you think, oh, Swingers wow.
3: is better than Wedding Crashers, which is better, better than old school. Ooh. Which is better than Rudy, which is trash. Like like, like Bloody Mary. <laughs> there you have it.
6: I can't believe that you need to even include Starsky and Hutch.
3: <laughs> that wasn't a good movie. <laughs> Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> You're just going up the IMDb. <laughs> what, are really am- the ba- <laughs> what are some of the bad Vince Vaughn movies, aside uh, from
6: Starsky and Hutch? Well, you're a fan of Zoolander. I know that. So Love I- Zoolander. I would have added that in there. Uh, Where was Vince Vaughn in Zoolander? I don't know. What was his
3: role? What does it say? Let's see.
6: In Zoolander, he plays... I got to do some digging. But it's, pop- it's popping up on his IMDb, so he's in there somewhere.
3: Vince Vaughn is in Zoolander. Yep. This is news to me. The Ben Stiller movie. Uh, oh, he's one of the brothers when they're doing. They're in the coal mine. He's one of the brothers. I think I got the black lung, pa.
6: <laughs> so he's a bit character. One of
3: his one of his brothers is Vince Vaughn in that movie uh, when he went back to work one day in the coal mine. It's better than dodgeball. It got the black lung, pa. <laughs> oh, dodgeball! Actually, I might have to recant. Dodgeball. One of the best comedies of the 2000s. Wow. That, oh, wow. That's not a hot take.
6: <laughs> Is it? <laughs> no, that movie's great. You can dodge a wrench. You can dodge a ball.
3: Mm-hmm. Nobody makes me believe my own blood. The <laughs> Fleur.
6: That's such a corny movie. Like most of these movies that he was in, I'm just like, I don't remember seeing hardly any of these. I didn't even realize he was in a Lost, uh, a Jurassic Park. He was in The Lost World. never saw that. I think that's the one no one saw.
3: Up next, the next step for Wake Forest football. Keep it here on the drive.
1: Let's begin. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham, The Sports Hub, at AM 600, AM 920. I had a
3: chance to sit down one-on-one with Wake Forest Director of Athletics, John Curry, who took over for Ron Wellman last week. It's his first week on the job. I met with him at BB&T Field earlier today. We were overlooking the football field on a beautiful late morning, early afternoon inside the AD's press box, AD's booth, and we had a lot of things to discuss. Everything from him taking the job and what success looks like as the director of athletics at Wake, from there all the way to enhancing the football environment to some of his habits to his family as well we covered a lot of bases with John Curry and here's how that conversation sounded from earlier today now a visit with the new director of athletics at Wake Forest John Curry kind enough to spend some time here and now that it's been a couple of weeks and weeks turning to months I wonder in what ways is Wake Forest and Winston-Salem most similar to what you knew 20 plus years ago and what ways is it most different
0: well, what ways it's similar is that people care uh, and that there's really good people here. Uh, there's smiles all around town in the restaurants and um, uh, uh, on the streets, et cetera. So um, the people uh, continue to be very genuine people who care, uh, are proud of Winston-Salem, are proud of Wake Forest, and uh, want to be hospitable uh, to visitors coming into our community.
3: In your initial visits with Coach Danny Manning and Dave Clausen, what were the most important things you wanted to convey to them?
0: that I listen and that I care about their student athletes. Um, you know, our, our coaches, our head coaches are also our general managers for their sports. Um, that's a little bit different in the college model than in the professional model where um, the general manager might be, um, you know, might, some people might think the athletic director is like a general manager. The athletic director is more like a team president. Um, the coaches are the, both the head coach and general manager of, of their sport. And so they're, they're the experts in their particular area. Um, our job as administrators is to um, work with our coaches to set uh, goals and expectations, and also see uh, the areas that, that we can provide support.
3: Have you arrived at the point where you're talking about evaluation, goals, and expectations, or is it still very much the getting to know each other phase?
0: Oh, I'd say we're still in the getting to know uh, each other phase. Um, my focus has been on, on listening and learning. You know, we've done SWOT analysis with all of our sports. Um, with our head coaches uh, ask them to do a SWOT analysis of their of their program and of the uh, and the university Uh, we've done that with our assistant and associate ADs as well Uh, eventually over the next uh, month or two I will have met uh, it is my goal I should say uh, to have met with every one of our uh, athletic staff members individually Um, and uh, then also of course we've been doing those types of meetings uh, with other folks around campus
3: earlier this morning you had a chance to meet with the collective media and you were talking a lot about football and wanting to enhance the environment there considering how good the product's been three consecutive seasons under dave clausen how much do you think the following for wake football can be enhanced
0: well first of all i think the atmosphere at wake football games is pretty good you know i've the games i've come to um there's a lot going on um I, I believe one of the things we have to continue to do is just tell our story and build on that success. Uh, It takes a little while for people to understand, even if it's right in your backyard, uh, what a high-quality program uh, we have under Coach Clausen's leadership, but also the fact that uh, more than any other, um, maybe as much as any other program in the country, um, you can get in and out of uh, uh, BB&T Field and in this quadrant, lots of parking all around, uh, as easy as you can anywhere in the country. Um, We want to have the best fan experience in the Atlantic Coast Conference. We want to have the best fan experience uh, in the state of North Carolina uh, to the point that uh, when someone comes to Winston-Salem and to the Wake Forest athletic facilities for the first time, uh, they're really amazed at how well they're treated and how efficient and hospitable in the quality of service level. Uh, and they go back and tell people about how great it was in Winston-Salem at Wake Forest.
3: It has been a problem, though, at Wake Forest, looking at some of the attendance figures when bigger schools come in. Last year it was Notre Dame and Clemson. An opportunity this year, though, to present uh, a pretty uh, appealing schedule for fans. You look at all three of the big four schools in North Carolina coming to Winston-Salem and facing Wake. You have good non-conference schedule, too. How much of an opportunity is this season to build on what you've already done? And I wonder in your mind what that next step is.
0: Well, we should always be building on what we've done. And I'm very lucky to come to Wake Forest um, and follow Ron Wellman's leadership 27 years of building uh, constantly. And we'll be building on that great foundation uh, that he has set here. Our schedule, as you mentioned, Josh, is is really a -a once-in-a-lifetime schedule. It has been since 1921 that Wake Forest has hosted um, NC State, Duke, and North Carolina in the same year in our stadium. And, of course, it's the first time ever in the city of Winston-Salem. So uh, what a great opportunity to showcase our our, our community, uh, our city. Uh, and, of course, Wake Forest and BB&T Field with with uh, those programs all coming here. Um, the Big Four uh, means something to me uh, as a kid that grew up in the state of North Carolina, and I know it means a lot to the city, citizens of uh, Winston-Salem and the Triad. Um, so you can come see them all right here at BB&T Field
3: this, this fall. It's the new director of athletics, John Curry, with us here from Wake Forest. You know, when you keep saying the, the Big Four is something that means something to you, it sounds like you're right in lockstep with your basketball coach, Danny Manning, who a- often refers, to the big four and back to the big four tournament days but much like what you I'm sure you've heard the last week I I get a chance to talk to many Wake Forest fans and many of them have higher expectations for Wake basketball Danny Manning was on our show and he said of course the standard isn't going to the NCAA tournament once out of every five years so how cognizant are you at this point with the fans concerns about the basketball program?
0: I completely understand uh, our fans perspective on, on where we are right now in basketball, both on the men's side and the women's side where we're uh, not winning at the same level that the other programs are uh, in the Wake Forest athletics uh, uh, unit. Um, but I also know that uh, we have the opportunity. Uh, we know what it looks like at, at Wake Forest. We've been there. We've won the ACC championship, um, uh, you know, in football and basketball and baseball um, In tennis and golf, across the board, Wake Forest has won championships. So it can be done here, um, and I believe it will be done here.
3: In your position, I wonder what your viewpoint on success looks like. What does success as a director of athletics at Wake Forest look like to you?
0: Well, first of all, for success in college athletics, um, the academic uh, performance of our student-athletes and preparing our student-athletes for for life after college, Uh, not just a degree, but uh, really the opportunity to have a plan moving forward into the next uh, phase uh, of our young people's lives uh, after they matriculate from Wake Forest. Um, That's certainly where where it all should start. Um, Certainly uh, safety and integrity of our our programs, um, NCAA compliance, uh, Title Nine, uh, all those things are, are part of, of what our responsibilities are. And then from a success standpoint, as I've mentioned earlier, um, the the standard of excellence at Wake Forest is championships. And we've won championships uh, virtually across the board, um, and that that should be what we're always building towards. We're not going to win them every year. Um, it's hard to win championships. It's very hard, even when you have the best team. I mean, I remember uh, in 1996-97 in Tim Duncan's senior year, and we had – coming off an elite eight appearance and, you know, the expectation that year was go to the final four. And, you know, we had a great team and we had great performances, but we just didn't, you know, we just grinded the gears a little bit down the stretch and got beat in the second round of the tournament. Um, so it, just because you have your best team ever doesn't mean you're always going to win it. But uh, w- without that as the ultimate goal in mind, um, you're putting a, a unnecessary cap on your potential.
3: It's just, it seems like there's a stark contrast between what, what wake fans or football fans basketball fans view as success for someone like you versus how you view it the stuff that you mentioned that might not be the sexiest of answers talking about you know not being embroiled and scandaled doing things the right way the academic side of things one thing you didn't mention also fundraising too is something that's very important as well these are all things that it seems like are your strong suits and something you're trying to bring to wake forest well, uh, relationship
0: building uh, is is something that that we have a lot of fun doing. Um, it's one of the reasons you come to to live events uh, is re- is relationships and, and feeling energy from other folks and uh, being being in a group environment and watching your team uh, be successful or watching a great performance at Scales Fine Arts for uh, 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 Center. Um, those are all uh, you know reasons to be together and, and, and enjoy. Uh, enjoy life going forward, so here um, we 're going to continue to strive towards those goals of of having the experiences that people uh, enjoy when they come to our facilities, be they athletic or academic, uh, be among the best facilities that are out there in the world.
3: A couple quick hitters for you, John. John Curry, New Wake Forest AD with us here. You, you mentioned you have a 10-year-old daughter. How many children do you have?
0: So we have uh, three children. Mary Lawrence and I have three children. We've been married almost 21 years. Uh, I think we've got a pretty good chance of making it. Uh, we'll see. Got another month to go to get to 21. Uh, our son is 18, uh, Jack. Our daughter, uh, Gigi, is 16, and our youngest, Mary Dell, is 10.
3: So having a daughter who's moving here with you to a place that means so much to you, where you met your wife at, Mary Lawrence, what's what's that like for you to have a chance to have them grow up in this atmosphere?
0: It's really, really cool. You know, we weren't able to come back as as much as we would have liked over the last 19 years because I was working in college athletics and we always had a ball game going on. Um, But the times we've been able to get here for a few uh, reunions, et cetera, uh, the children uh, have enjoyed it. Um, And then on Saturday, this past Saturday, to be at the NCAA tennis match against Kentucky, uh, Mary Dell put on a Wake Forest shirt and she was pretty proud walking around uh, talking to different folks and she was playing with Coach Bresky's kids and uh,
3: she was she was um, she was feeling pretty good about herself it was neat to see her smile. You mentioned that you think you finished all the note writing thank you notes from a couple of months ago and see I recently picked up note writing is that something that you do a lot as well? I write a lot of handwritten notes um and i've, I've modernized to, to
0: also responding to emails and a few direct messages and things like that as well. So you're
3: really a throwback.
0: I don't know my kids think I my kids think I'm a dinosaur. They think I'm old. You know, i write notes for my son and he never even opens them. Well, the final
3: note i have here, social media. There's a lot it's a it's a, it's a new world as college athletics is evolving. How familiar are you with all the different ways to communicate with Wake fans?
0: Well, I'm learning them every day. Um, certainly, uh, we'll use Twitter a little bit. Um, but what I've also learned, Josh, is that there's different media for different fans. And sometimes that's generational. Um, you know, For instance, we do uh, the From the Quad series uh, of emails, which is a longer email. And Um, You know, we find our click rates are pretty good on that. Now, it might not be, you know, my son's group that's reading those emails, but uh, some group of our fans will. And so we have to tailor our different messages uh, to reach all of our fans because different, I mean, it's a pretty big strata of folks. Um, both age-wise, demographic-wise, et cetera. That's you know, one of the reasons we're on the radio today. Is uh, There's some of our fans that really the only time they tune in is listening to, to WSJS when they're driving back and forth to work or working in the office or whatever it is. They might not have time to be on Twitter or whatever. So uh, we'll try to use all those uh, uh, forms to tell our story, uh, which is one of tremendous world-class student-athletes competing at the highest level both academically and athletically right here in Winston-salem
3: well John thank you so much for doing this welcome to winston-Salem once again look forward to working with you thank you that is the new director of athletics John Curry that guy's sharp I'm not sure if it's obvious I like him yeah he's sharp and he, he's the perfect hire for for Wake Forest he really is he gets it and that's the most important thing when you're hiring someone to lead an athletic department Does he understand the challenges your school presents? Wake is a smaller private school. You can't run Wake Forest the way you run NC State, North Carolina, to a degree Duke can. John Curry's from here. He was in the Deacon Club. He had success at K-State, a lot of success at K-State. He's young. He's energetic. And as he mentioned there, a bit of a throwback, writing handwritten notes and such. See, I, I've picked up handwritten, handwritten notes. It's a nice touch. When everyone's zigging towards emails and one direction, everybody's trying to put everything online, I tend to zag. Everybody's texting. Well, I, I'm a phone call kind of guy. I'm going to call you. Nowadays, when I call people, it's always, hey, what, what's happening? What, is everything all right? Hey, wh- wh- why are you calling me here? can't call anybody anymore. Everybody... Wants it to be via text, and that's it. Nothing else. The Drive brought to you in part by our friends at Twin Peaks Restaurant. final reminder that they're the place to go in Winston-Salem. If you want to watch sports, strongly suggest you visit them. Haynes Mall Boulevard, Winston-Salem. Twin Peaks, eats, drinks, scenic views. Do we have time to get to one call, or I guess we don't. Well, you can call us tomorrow, 336 777 if you want it on the program, as always, we've run out of time because we have one last order of business to take care of, and that's take it to the house. Des What do you got?
6: Burger King has unveiled a new sort of meal to compete against their number one competition, which is McDonald's. It's kinda it's kinda funny. I'm gonna go into uh their playful rivalry with McDonald's and explain what this new meal is gonna be.
3: We're gonna explore some of the beef.
6: See what I did there? Yeah, I did. That was- Restaurant beef, that yeah, was, uh, you know what I'm, yeah, that was pretty well, good. We're well taking, yeah, well we're taking
3: to the house next.